This is Content Content, a bi-monthly podcast featuring the people behind the content. I'm Ed Marsh. Today's guest is Nas Urbina, who, for my money, is probably the best-dressed man in technical communication and content strategy. Um, thankfully, he and I are practicing social distancing today. But uh, Nas, how are you and what's going on in Spain? Hey, uh, I'm doing well. I am, of course, in full lockdown right now, as is the whole country. They are, we are not allowed to go anywhere. But uh, um, I work from, I'm used to working from home. I work out of my home office anyway, so I'm kind of okay. out of it. Oh, nice. Okay, so this isn't anything that's too unfamiliar to you then. Well, in terms of uh, yeah. working home, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it's as it's as normal as a global pandemic can be. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We are. My wife and I are both on uh, mandatory work from home, which is not terrible. We have uh, we have some decent food. We've got our cat. We've got some beverages. So, uh, like you said, we're we're going to try and make the most of it. But I mean, the good news here is that you know spring's coming up. So at least being home, we you know we can we can go outside for a walk if we wanted to or something instead of being cooped up uh, during the cold months yeah absolutely well like and luckily in spain we don't have too many colder months yeah that's true yeah she uh actually spent quite some time in barcelona and wants 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 me to get to move there i'm like yeah that's that i'm fine with that so (laughs) so we'll see but uh let me know when you get over yeah yeah i'll yeah we should talk about that offline actually um but yeah, I mean, wanna, you know, basically what I want to do today is talk to you and get to know you a little bit better. Um, so I have to admit that you were, you know, when I created the podcast five some years ago, um, and on my wish list, you were definitely high on that list um, and thought I would establish myself. But it was nice to to hear you say, hey, Ed, now when am I going to be on the podcast? So I'm glad we finally made it happen. Me too. Me too. So Nas, I mean, I you know you're a you're a big force in the in the content strategy world. You know, you've literally written a book on content strategy. You know, you have an omni-channel conference. But so you know, we all know you pretty well. But you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got where you are now? Okay, so I've got an interesting journey. I think lots of people lots of people know me as uh, you know I get around. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think that uh, I think people know me in different contexts. So I think it mm. is an interesting. Uh, it's been an interesting journey, which might be of interest to some people. So I kind of started uh, originally in the technical communication space. I was working for a tool vendor uh, for a tool called uh, Xmetal. Oh, God. Called Soft- wow. Yeah, a company called Softquad back in the day, which uh, I went into that straight out of university. So I went from school straight into this not not tiny but not huge company you know we were a couple hundred people at the time and this is right uh at the at the dot-com crash oh so in 2000 so we're in a we're in a tiny part of a tiny industry that is you know the the structured content community within technical communication so you can imagine you know you could there's probably a few thousand people in the world at that time (laughs) who are really movers and shakers. So being in that company was an incredible opportunity to, to just absolutely catapult my learning and career. Because mm. I was, you know, I got to meet with uh, people who were on the working groups who were defining these global standards. You know, these are, these are I knew I could, five people who were on uh, technical working groups, working with Oasis and working with um, uh, the W3C to define the XML standard. Uh, data itself, you know, XSLT, SVG, and then so on and so on. So, you know, the to some people, I hope these are still just gobbledygook acronyms, but they are important uh, standards because they underpinned a lot of the movement towards more structured information. And uh, we have been talking for decades about separating the, you know, the end deliverable from what is a pure content business asset. So what I, what I kind of was born into in my career was the idea that the content shouldn't live in the end deliverable. We should not be thinking about content as uh, the brochure or the PDF or the manual or the help file or the website hmm. or the app. We should be thinking about content as a business asset, which we ma- manage in a repository of business assets which is reusable. And the more you invest in that asset, the more ROI that it can deliver. Uh, and 
to make content a business asset, you need to give it uh, descriptive information. You need to say um, who it's for, what its purpose is, when it should be used, what channels is it appropriate for, uh, what context is appropriate for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that kind of thinking in two, the year 2000 was beyond cutting edge. It was bleeding, bleeding edge. Yeah. Now it's become, you know, people are getting it. Uh, and it's been a beautiful kind of arc. <laughs> so I went from that world and, you know, working for the editor, for the software editor, which enabled the authoring, to working for a uh, partner manager. So I was working with these solutions companies around Europe who were developing solutions off of the back of that. So enabling the entire content ecosystem you know, starting with the authoring tool all the way out into multi, what we called multi-channel, multi-format publishing at the time. And then I moved into one of those uh, systems integrators and consultancies myself and helped uh, define and build up their consultancy practice. And that's when the kind of the content strategy term started to take off. And I was saying, it's not just about defining these structured content assets. It's also about when we say it's a business asset, what's the strategy driving that? What is the business strategy that gave this content a reason to be? And how does that connect with user experience and so on? So I moved into that and then eventually broke out after I wrote the book and launched my own my own consultancy and my own conference, which I, I would love to tell you a little bit about later, mm -hmm. um, which uh, are about how we connect what the brand is trying to do and what the user is trying to do so we get a win-win relationship. Uh, so we're building better relationships through our content on all the channels that use it. Huh. Yeah, I, I mean, you just gone through the entire history of content strategy and, and, and structured authoring, <laughs> and, and you're right there in the middle of it. So that's, you know, that's a hell of a ride, I, I got to say. I mean, I used X-Metal. I, I don't know if it was quite 2000, but, you know, we were – God, 2004, 2005, where we converted from unstructured frame to structured frame. And, mm. and some of us were in X-Metal because some of us got it and didn't like structured frame, but other people didn't get X-Metal. So, um, so yeah, I, that, of course, that was my, my love-hate relationship with Ditto. It started by cleaning up all those converted files with years of cruft <laughs> in them. So um, I was kind of anti-Ditto for a while. and uh, But I came around. Like like you said, everyone else... Um, like everyone else is coming around and you're right. I mean, to be part of it and, and, you know, what's a technical writer? Like I had to explain to my parents what a technical writer was when I started in 1994. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't really know what it was either, but it was, it paid a lot more than journalism. I could tell you that. Um, <laughs> but you know, the whole thing, like you said, you know, we moved from, you know, uh, from a, a tool called Xyrite, which is ancient, um, to like word to unstructured frame, to structured frame, to X metal, you know, it, it's, it's just been, a crazy journey. And I mean, it's interesting that, I mean, one of the common thing through all of this has been Dita itself. And I guess, well, you too, but, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Dita, it seems to be the heart of, of this whole um, birth of, you know, structured authoring, separating structure from content. And like you say, separating um, the content from the end deliverable. Well, you raise an interesting point there because um, I am, I have been, you know, I've been in the digital world. <laughs> I, I don't want to toot my own horn too much uh, here. I'm hesitating. <laughs> let's say, let's say I've been actively involved in the community and some very large implementations across my my career. Um, so I am, a, you know, I, I'm I'm using Dita today in projects uh, on a regular basis, but. When I, what I'm trying to do now, what I'm kind of referring to about people who are knowing me through, through a certain lens, uh, what's happened in the last few years, and since I, really, since I really launched my consultancy, as I said, that I want to be involved in content strategy. In the same way we were saying we're going to need to separate content from its deliverable, I've been kind of saying we need to separate strategy from any tool or particular standard. Hmm. So that's not an anti-data statement. <laughs> <laughs> but what it is, is that I kind of have moved into saying, I don't want to be a technical communications consultant. Okay. I don't want to be a data consultant, which is kind of what I was. I was a data trainer. Oh, I was okay. working mainly, in, you know, I was a technical communications specialist, putting in technical communication solutions for these companies um, around the world. 
which was, and it was great. I was a very big fish in a, in our in our <laughs> pond. And, but what I what I decided is that I what is my mission and vision? And my mission and vision is to help people in the world uh, accomplish their, their goals, which is which was very well suited uh, to technical communication because that's kind of what we did in this mm. what we do in this community. Um, and what I did when I was there, I helped technical communicators help people accomplish what they wanted to do. And I, but I said that that's, but it's, it's still within a, within a particular window. And so I wanted to open that up. Huh. And so when I launched, uh, Urbina Consulting and then, uh, the Omnichannel X conference, uh, the purpose of that was to take that mission wider. It was to say, uh, I am going to help organizations build a better relationship with their clients and advance their clients' goals so that they, they provide more value, of course, and that means that they'll, they'll do better business and, and, and make the customers happier. So it's, I'm now uh, working as a, uh, a department agnostic consultant. So that's, that's marketing sometimes, <laughs> that's, that's marketing, that's customer experience, uh, working with user experience teams, um, web content, app content, etc. Also technical communications content, knowledge bases. But the point is, we need to bring it all together for the clients. And now I see that as the primary challenge. How do we make connections? How do we connect the dots? Um, if I'm going to make a little reference back to my, my book, how do we connect the dots for internal people and external people so that everyone is getting what they need out of the content? And that being the core goal, did it maybe a part of that? The technical communication team may be a part of that, but the marketing team may be a part of that. Training, sales, uh, support, whomever is touching the user experience, I'm now saying that's part of my job to bring together by any means necessary what this user needs so that they can move forward on their journey. Okay, yeah, I mean... That makes a lot of sense to me that you've moved up and you're kind of not in the necessarily the day to day or the tech comp space, but the the overall, I guess, enterprise or company wide content strategy. It sounds what like you're yeah. talking about. And I think it, it, you know, even if many of your uh, of the listeners here uh, are are in the tech comp space, there's nothing wrong. There's I, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to say I've kind of left that behind, but I think everybody who's doing content strategy should should kind of have that. Uh, by any means necessary perspective. So if even if you're you're heading a tech comms group, you're saying, all right, I'm in tech comms, but what's the larger context that my user is in? Hmm. Maybe you will only implement that within the window of your purvey within the organization, but it's everybody's responsibility to kind of make those connections and say, well, what what did they do that brought them to the manual? What did they do before they came into the knowledge base, before they opened the help right. file? What is their motivation, their purpose, their frustration, their background? All the kind of things that marketing and product management do, we need to do in every department that creates content, just like we would if we were making products, if we were making like hardware or software. <laughs> we need to have that same user-centric, and disciplined approach to how, how we think about who, what, what the problem case and situation is, the user situation is, and then what's the best solution to that. And our solution happens to generally be words, but that it's, <laughs> it's the same process and we should be part of the, that we should be applying that same process. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, in my last role, I have actually just switched roles this week in the firm. Um, but my last role was kind of, you know, we were basically building a CMS, building out a CMS from scratch, kind of. And, you know, of course, the thing is, my th is, you know, you have to think about the users, like you said, my, my point was always, no one comes to online help, because they have nothing better to do with their day. You know, they're frustrated, they're upset, they need an answer quickly. So that's what you have to provide to them. And I think about it. And it was interesting, because uh, when I hired someone to be uh, my my second or whatever my junior person um, he was he was more of a program manager a project manager product manager I should say than he was mm -hmm. a technical writer so he brought that whole you know and basically we were working as a startup in inside the company where we were going out to different teams and, and trying to slip them to put their content into our knowledge what we call the knowledge bank um, it was kind of a documentation knowledge base hybrid um, 
But, you know, we were basically building a product out from scratch and, you know, we had to listen to our users, what our user wanted in terms of, you know, is was it permissioning or, you know, different features that, you know, are, you know, oh, can we do this? Can we do that? I mean, and some one team thought they were we could build out a learning management system for this, but we had to explain it to them. But I mean, the whole I learned, you know from being a tech, more of a, a technical writer to be more of a, a product manager and think about the entire experience and, and all the people, all the stakeholders, like you mentioned. Excellent. I think, you know, that's that, that story arc reminds me of, uh, somebody works, um, I've kind of briefly alluded a couple of times to the conference coming up, uh, that I manage. So I, I launched the Urban consulting to be the do this at, for my own clients, but, uh, I also am program manager and co-founder of the Omnichannel X omnichannel conference um and we have that every year and this year we have a company called medi medidata or medidata i don't actually don't remember how, how they say it oh um, and, yeah it's metadata i've actually been there for stc conferences and i know i know nitsa and a couple other okay, people so nitsa is presenting uh nitsa yeah nitsa oh, nice. a couple and uh, um uh nitsa and uh, uh one of her colleagues from from medidata will be presenting this year at uh omnichannel x and they're telling a similar story how they they went and they said okay what is the strategy what is the goal and they became a kind of facilitator for multiple channels they said we're going to go around and we're going to teach content and knowledge management best practices to the different departments because if you're a developer if you're a trainer if you're a whomever you need to capture what you know and facilitate that to your colleagues and to end users and and they were the resident experts in doing that and so they're going to tell their story about how they became as you said like a startup within the company and their specialism was providing that uh content as a service strategy as a service um service to their hmm. colleagues and for me that's a that's a perfect example of how uh technical communications and something like structured content can easily escape the bounds that we we might can it was traditionally in like uh, making manuals and, and and so on and and become mm. uh, a customer experience value add to the whole to the whole enterprise. I want to ask you about um, your transition from a technical communicator or a technical communication consultant to a content strategist slash content strategist consultant slash uh, you know conference coordinator and i'm like i think i do a lot of the things in information architecture and content strategy but i'm always been hesitant to call myself a full content strategist because i don't know if i'm doing all the things or you know if i would work in a in a context like if i were to switch to be a full-time content strategist across the enterprise and have to deal with marketing and, and all those unique things could you talk about your journey into calling yourself a content strategist yeah absolutely so uh that's been a very interesting thing and uh, hmm. what I would say, I, I became a content strategist when I was still working within the technical communication space. So what the okay. difference was is that my specialism, and I, if you you know you've been you've seen me at the LavaCon conference quite a few times. What uh, Jack, the, the Jack uh, Molisani, who who runs that conference, what Jack kind of kept having me back for, what. Uh, was especially he liked that I was talking to the how do we speak about these issues to the rest of the business. That's when I became a content strategist, when I started putting the emphasis on the strategy, not on the content, which was um, I, I was working with uh, huh. systems integrators and consultancies, and, and there was a lot of systems integration. So you want to do structured content. Okay. So how do we? How do you want us to configure your editor? How do you want us to configure your CMS? What do you want the output to look like? Go 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 go. Um, there you make you make your outputs faster. You save money. You reuse. Uh, your translations are cheaper. Done. And I became very hmm. uh, specialized in that and saying, okay, that's not interesting to anybody really outside of that group who wants headaches off of their plate. How do we get the proper engagement from the business to support this? And so going into the business saying, okay, what is your mm. business about? What are they trying to do? What is what is driving the executive? What what is what are the passions outside this group? And how do we align our messaging about what we're doing so that it supports those strategies? 
that's when we that's when you're making the jump of strategy as an mm. approach to doing my tasks and strategy and as in the how is this business what is this business trying to accomplish for itself and for its users and how do i plug what i'm doing into that the biggest challenge was learning all the other languages learning how to how do marketers mm. talk how does the training team speak what are the what's their what are their acronyms and lingo and so that was the biggest uh learning curve for me was when the executives started talking about the the business side of what they were trying to accomplish it, 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 like at the very beginning you know i, I my, my eyes would glaze over and I'd go oh i'm out of my depth here because i know about data and editing and manuals and reuse and all those things and they're talking to me about you know quarterly goals and annual annual ROI and then it, it's etc brand equity and uh, net promoter scores customer loyalty things that you know I didn't have to think about to do a very good job of being a technical communicator and, and technical communications consultant right uh, so that was the bit that was I had to address and say okay if I'm going to speak to these people I can't expect them to come to me I need to go figure out how they speak what they care about and then align what it is I'm trying to do and present it in terms that they care about is don't go in and try to fight people to believe that content is important or that technical communications are important or that you're important. Go in there humbly and say, okay, we both work here. I've got an idea that I think is a, is a, is a good one. Let me tell you why I think you should listen to me because I'm trying to help. I'm trying to get like, I'm trying mm. to get us to help each other. So help me help you. And that, uh, that, that was the way that I started moving up in these projects and moving from doing, you know, these little, uh, f four or five, uh, figure projects to doing six and seven figure projects. And, and instead of presenting mm. to the head of technical documentation, head to head it presenting sometimes to members of the board of directors, um, and that was a multi-year okay. journey. I'm not, uh, you know, <laughs> people don't go from, you know, being a senior writer to presenting to the, somebody on the board of a, a multi-billion dollar multinational in a year. That, that took me several years of my career to make that progression. But it, that was what, for me, it meant to become a content strategist was to learn what other people were trying to do, understand their strategies and learn how content fits into that. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me because it sounds like you're essentially flipping the switch from going to be, you know, from the bottom up to top down, which, you know, in a lot of ways makes a lot of sense if that's the way that you want to mm -hmm. go in your career. Um, and I understand because, you know, I, w I work at finance. I, I transitioned to financial services to a major financial firm um, eight years ago. And, you know, and I've had to talk, I've had to learn a completely new language from working in software companies to, you know, all the finance lingo, everything. And then, like you said, we've talked to senior managers managing directors, partners, stuff like that, about getting their teams on board. And you're right, I guess it, it is a different a different way of speaking and thinking about things than you normally would on a day-to-day -day where you're writing, even any creating any exactly. sort of content. Yeah, well, so when you go in there and talk to an exec and ask them for, uh, you know, one or two or seven million dollars, you know, you've got 40 minutes. None of the minutia mm. about your your content troubles is relevant to them. You know, they're thinking about this at a completely different level and order of magnitude. So you're saying, okay, what are the big picture, big picture bits that are relevant in this conversation? So uh, what I would usually uh, see my clients, the ones who, you know, the ones who brought me in were saying, okay, I, I want to move forward with this. I know it's important to the business. I, I need to help put together the business case, the presentation, the plan, the vision, the strategy, so we can go to the executive and, and tell them, listen, let's do something here. And so that was the that was the thing is saying, okay, I've got a very short window with some very, very busy people who their whole job is listening to people who all have great ideas. So <laughs> what do they need to hear about what we're doing that will make them understand, yes, this is worth diverting funds from somewhere else to us because we're going to help their customers and therefore help their business. 
Yeah, that's it's a really interesting way to look at things. I mean, and, and I, I think I think maybe I won't call myself a content strategist because I don't think I want to deal with those kind of people and be in that kind of business. Ooh. But anyhow. Um... Oh, sorry. Coming back to your comment there. Let's, you did say something like whether you were doing all the things. No content strategist does all the things. None. None. <laughs> I do not. None of them do. I've been giving you my journey and my definition. Uh, if you want to Fair be enough. a content strategist that focus, focuses on the part of strategy, which is the integration between objectives and execution, that's fine. So if you want to work on you know, information models and process diagrams and um, governance and system you know, design, interfacing with the, the systems developers, you're still a content strategist. If you are being hmm. focused on hmm. driving the business goals forward and building a strategy for how you're going to get there, uh, then you're a content strategist. I've kind of been giving you a little bit of my life story, and I think of, of it's a it's a not a I'm not going to say it's unique, but it's not a common path that I've that I've walked. But uh, if you, nobody does everything, I don't do certain types of content strategy. Once I got into the marketing world, started working in marketing departments, mm -hmm. there are marketing content strategists who a lot of the like. I'm not going to name names, but let's say a lot of the hardcore structured content content strategists that grew up, you know, at places like Labacon and, and where we come from. Some mm. of the, there's a lot of, let's say, patting on the head of the of the marketing content strategists <laughs> that it's you know it's it's fluffy and it's branding and it's pretty words and stuff. But they do some very interesting things in terms of how how do you prioritize how you speak? How do you make a how do you make a strategic decision? about how you phrase a sentence. Like that's very interesting to me and I respect it. And I do a little bit of it now, but it's not my specialism. And I'm not gonna say that I'm a content strategist and they're not, nor am I gonna say the reverse. Okay, because I was a little bit offended. I went to um, content marketing world a few years ago, maybe five, six years mm -hmm. ago at this point, and I saw like that people had banners on their their name tags that said content strategist. I'm like, wait a second, you people don't no, you're not content strategists. We've been doing this forever. So uh, in the tech com world, so I felt a little out of place for sure, and like I, I definitely felt like marketing wasn't my wasn't where mm -hmm. I wanted to be. So, um, but it's certainly eye opening. I was like, hey, wait a second, you guys are content strategists. I mean. It was just it was interesting to hear, I guess, that phrase used outside of you know the structured content and the content mm -hmm. authoring. Yeah, and it, it's it's a little it got a little too popular. I'm not going to say that it hasn't been abused. There was a point where you could walk up to okay. any writer and they'll go, "Yeah, I'm a content strategist. I I, I have a very I take a very strategic approach to my work." <laughs> that was it. Yeah. That was their that was their license to call themselves a content oh. strategist, oh. um, and okay. so yeah, and so yes, there are people who wanted to jump on the bandwagon because it, the bandwagon started gaining some steam. So lots of people, but right. anybody anybody wants to get a pay rise because they stopped being what they used to be, and now they right. got strategy in their name. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So we've been talking around the book, but um, I did definitely want to talk a little about it. And I'd love to know, uh, first of all, the book is called Content Strategy. You co-authored it with another one of my heroes, Rahel Bailey, um, who I've been too afraid to ask to come <laughs> on the show. But, um, I, you know, I, I told her and I told you that it's probably the most highlighted content strategy book or maybe book in general that I've ever owned. So where did that, I mean, how did it come about? When did it come about? And, you know, what did that do for your career at that point? Wow. Uh, so the book was great for me. So this, I've got to thank Rahel um, because I was, uh, I was, I was very happy. You know, I was doing my thing. I was running around huh. Europe. I was in my early when is this dude? yeah i was in my early 30s and uh i was flitting around europe um on the expenses most of the time having a lovely time you know doing great projects i i, I was like who needs anything more in life and rahel huh. kind of stopped me and said hey hey Nas, let, let's talk and then we started co like cross presenting to each other and we went, wow, there are whole chunks of each other's slide decks that we could have just like copy and pasted. Huh. We're so aligned in our thinking here. We need to do something about this. It was a bit, it was eerie how, oh. how easily we understood each other. And 
were thinking along the same lines at this point in time. So this is 2010, 2009, 2010. And, uh, you know, she had been in the industry longer than I have um, and, and will always have been in the industry longer than I have. And, uh, and <laughs> she's the one who originally said we should write a book. And I was like, oh, a book? What? Oh, wow. <laughs> Me? And uh, she said, yeah, of huh. course, we, we should, we've got all this stuff here. Uh, I think that both of us thought that, co and we were correct, co-writing a book was uh, a lot easier than, you know, having the discipline and the will and the, and the uh, you know, the routine to just write it on your own. Having somebody to kind of pick you up and you get, huh. pick you up and you get frustrated, you know, make you come to the meeting when you, when you haven't been writing that week. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. That was really, really, you know, we, we were essential to to each other to get this whole thing, oh, whole thing huh. done. So she was a content strategist. I was a content strategist, and we what we both said is no one is talking about connecting the dots between business brand and benefits, which is the subtitle of the book: content strategy connecting the dots between business brand and benefits. When we originally wrote it, we had titles in mind like. Content strategy for managers, content strategy for decision makers, content strategy because there was a, there was a trend going around. Content strategy for the web, content strategy for mobile, content strategy for this. Huh. And yes. then as the book started to mature, and we realized how comprehensive it was, and how the fact we kind of addressed everything we wanted to address about content strategy, both under the hood and from a business perspective, we stopped with a four X and said, "What we've done." is we've done a uh, content strategy reference work. We've done what we believe is the full gamut of content strategy. So that's what the book is called. It is content strategy with a focus on hmm. making those connections. Uh, and that's uh, that's the approach we took and, and was really great. What, the minute the book was out there, I think that's when I realized I had to launch my own consultancy. Um, I, okay. I realized that uh, there was a lot here and that I, I wanted to do this on my own. I wanted to do it on my own, how I wanted to do it with the people I wanted to do it to the customers I wanted to do it for in the projects I wanted to do it for. I didn't want to be kind of uh, leading a, leading an organization that had this whole team and this whole legacy behind it that uh, was great. I was very happy then. I'm incredibly helpful. Uh, this is the company was called uh, Mecon. It's called Mecon based on oh, the yes. UK. And I had a great seven years there. Um, and learned a lot, you know, got around the world uh, from from you know California to, to Shenzhen, China, on with doing major uh, tech communications content strategy projects with them um, in all sorts of industries. So I had a great time there. But there was a point where I said, I want to choose my own clients. I want to choose my own path. I want to uh, do this the for different departments and with different uh, you know different in, in my own way. And so with the book behind me, I, I, I looked back on that accomplishment and said, I can, I can do this. So that, then the book came out hmm. and then shortly after, um, I, we had been doing a conference in, I should backtrack. We had been doing a conference with Mecon called Congility, um, originally called okay. XPubs for XML publishing, uh, and then changed huh. to Congility, which was, which was a portmanteau of content agility. Um, and so, you know, you can also, you can already see there that this, as I, as I started running that conference, I was like, it's not about XML publishing. Uh -huh. It's not about the publishing process or XML. It's about how do we make our content more agile? And it became hmm. the first multi-departmental content strategy conference that I know of, as far as I, as far I know in the world, it was the first conference that was bringing to the same stage people who were doing marketing and websites and, and, you know, brand side of the house stuff and the, and business stuff. And then also, uh, you know, Ditta folks and, and the IBM, like Michael Priestley and, and everyone under the same roof. Um, so that there was, of course, a huge inspiration when after after I left that that role to go back to the conference organization role and say, I can't accomplish my mission at scale with my own company. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to bring people around the world together so that we can all talk about how we move the industry forward. And that's how Omnichannel X uh, was born. 
Okay, because that was obviously my next question. Obviously, I said, you know, you know, I wasn't wasn't sure how you became to the conference world, but it does seem like several consultancies have have kind of gone that route lately. I mean, I know you've been doing Omnichannel X for a few years now, but it seems like that's almost a natural progression for a lot of small businesses in this field to kind of put on a conference. But now, I mean, I kind of understand why because you had some experience doing it for Mecon and the Agility Conference. So I guess it was just a natural progression. For you. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Just nope. stepped on my mic stand there. Uh, huh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a very natural progression. I think that uh, it was, um, for me, it was always chasing this this dream. Like that's why did I, why did I go from uh, to, to write the book? You know, it's, it's to get it out there wider than I could ever do with a thousand or a hundred thousand meetings. And, you know, how do I, how do huh. I get it beyond my clients? you know, enable and educate others, you know, set, set the tone for the conversation and drive the whole conversation in the industry, uh, in the direction that I think will help the most end users. So that's, uh, and, and, and yes, as you say, I had had hands-on experience already with Miko. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, it sounds to me like you've got this kind of, um, a philosophy, maybe, I guess it is, of just like, it sounds like making a difference or wanting to continually move, drive content strategy and business forward. Is that, am I get, am I capturing you correctly? Yeah, there absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the only thing I would add to that is that, that I always, I, it's the, I keep trying to keep the end user in mind. So I'm, I always try to tell mm. people in the content world, uh, the best way you'll make better content is to let go of its importance. So I'm thinking about once if I've got, if my client is the, the world health organization, I'm not thinking about the world health organization. I'm thinking about the kid in Africa who's getting his medicine. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking about a bank, I'm thinking about the person who's getting the mortgage to buy their first home. That's, that's why we're doing content to enable people's experiences. Yeah, that makes sense. And in my new role, it's interesting because I'm going from a, you know, we're, where the technical writer was kind of the gatekeeper because, you know, the, the finance people aren't the best writers. Surprisingly enough, even at a firm like Goldman Sachs, uh, a lot of people can't write well, surprisingly. Um, so we were kind of like the gatekeeper role, but this new role is in the technology division where we're going to be, you know, advocating for developers and they're going to be the people creating content where we're setting mm -hmm. the standards. So, you know, so I'm going from Ditto to, to Markdown, which is, you know, a big difference in the terms of structure, obviously, in terms of writing. But, you know, like I said, I think it's letting go of the content importance. The more important thing is to let the developers use the tools that they know to put content together so that way it's better for everybody instead of us being the people like and you know i you know especially like you said at scale you know there's never one-to-one -one technical writers for teams so you're never going to have the, the right amount of writers to cover everything unfortunately so i'm looking forward to this new role but it's going to be a lot of advocacy education but um you know thinking about the user what uh, my users are different people now so we have to uh, you know accommodate them in the best way yeah, that we can absolutely so what what i think you know what i say to you and what i say to anybody who's kind of trying to bring this stuff out of where it where they come from is that the you know put a user at the center and then I, something we haven't talked about so much is uh the the, the metadata bit the information design piece <sighs> And I would say that's been the, that's other, hours right there. the other major theme in my career is that um, metadata and data people often speak in a very metadata and data kind of way. <laughs> um, you know, I, I come back, to, let's go to the big, back to the beginning of the conversation. So I was working at X-Metal. To give you a bit of context for anybody who remembers the history of X-Metal, I, when I arrived, like right after I was hired, we had our moving from X-Metal 1.2 to X Metal Two party like that. Well, that's when I was. That's when I showed up on the scene. Uh, X Metal version wow. two, and there were. Um, so I was there to see all these like original gangsters <laughs> in in XML <laughs> and structured content. And what was difficult is they were so expert, and they had been in SGML and GML. They had been in this structured world. Oh. already 25 years, 30 years before I got there. So it was a very cool world to wow. learn. But what what was the, I think the luck for me 
was coming in at a very young age into this world and then going straight out to the, to the customers and realizing the people who knew it best were often not in a good position to explain it best. So how do we explain what XML, what DITA, what all this is about? You know, hmm. And it's funny because I'm at a point in my career now where I use those acronyms and I have a little reflex inside me that goes, you're using acronyms. Stop it. <laughs> so that, that's kind of what I'm talking about is what is the point of those things? Why is there XML? Why do we do DITA? Why do they exist? And they exist because to be able to provide uh, relevance we have for our users and conciseness for our users, which kind of go together because you could, you could give me a relevant encyclopedia, but I need a bit in there. I need, <laughs> I need the right, right piece of that to accomplish my task. So to provide relevance and conciseness for our users, then machines have to understand what we're talking about. And that's where information design and metadata, content design, content modeling, all those things uh, come into play. So being able to kind of focus on that and say, all right, if I'm going to be the custodian for standards and best practices and, and bring everybody together, we're all going to come around, come together around the content design of the content model, mm -hmm. which is how do we mark up? How do we label what we have? How do we tag it so that people know what they're looking at? Writers know what they should be writing and then machines can process it and deliver the right thing to the right person at the right time. Uh, so that that's the, uh, the other central theme, I think, that's carried me all the way through to Omnichannel X conference. <laughs> we're getting there and saying, all right, if we're going to be on all the channels or <laughs> see there, I would, I, I would, I <laughs> should smack myself for that. <laughs> if we're going to be on many channels, and those channels are going to integrate and help each other. Like, for example, the tweet announcement that leads you to the bulletin, that leads you to the, or that leads you to the landing page, that leads you to the bulletin, that leads you to the, the manual, that leads you to getting more use out of your product. You know, <laughs> if rather than just publishing the same information on multiple channels, which is, which is multi-channel publishing, if we're going to have an omnidirectional movement of users and where all channels are contributing what they're good at, even if we're only using three, we have a unified strategy. So they're all, they're all kind of playing their own role and, and supporting each other. If we're going to do that, then the content has to be structured so that the right bits get to the right places or the right people. Um, and that means lots and lots and lots of metadata, which has so much business value if you explain it right. Okay. Um, well, that was my, my yeah. follow-up is, you know, I'm a big fan of metadata, and that's one of the reasons why I love DITA so much, because it was such an mm -hmm. integral part of it. And what we did is took some of our metadata, like the author, the, the, the publisher, who was our subject mm -hmm. matter expert, um, you know, the created release dates, and we, you know, we we specialized and, and used a, a, a metadata field for the related JIRA ticket. We exposed that all mm -hmm. on the page. So that was my concern about moving to Markdown, is it seems like it's a little more loose with, with metadata. But my question is this, is how do you kind of sell, I mean, metadata is kind of down in a weeds yeah. thing. How do you sell that or explain that to someone at the high level that this is, you know, this is integral to the, the job that I need to do as a content strategist? So there's this several ways. Sometimes I like to try to size up my business problem. I, so I don't like to give kind of in, mm. in the abstract rec uh, recommendations because I think that every organization needs their content strategy served up in the context of their business strategy. So that's point number one is figure out what your business strategy is and then make sure that you're talking in those terms, as we said earlier. Hmm. And then the metadata bit is that what you're trying to explain is that no amount of AI, no, no intelligence, human or artificial, can work without context. You will always get better understanding of what the job is if you can provide context. Um, I, I, I give an example, which I stole from somebody, uh, I can't remember the name of the consultancy, but they just threw out this phrase, this sentence, this example once, and it was just so good that I've just been using it since then as well. They, they said, gave an example of, um, if I said, uh, the sentence, are you staying at the hotel tonight? I, even a human being doesn't understand what that means without context. 
if you if you and I are standing together at a conference that's and the venue is a hotel, then you understand it. But what you were lacking that metadata to say, mm. what hotel are you talking about? Ah. So in your case, huh. you got to explain to a developer, this, this may be a great piece of knowledge, but how do we prevent you from having, you know, from rewriting something that another developer already wrote? We're going to need you to put enough metadata on this so that the system can say, hey, don't, don't write another description of this thing or, or, or overview of this process because it already exists. Because we know that we can match this, this, and this tag to surface it to you and say, hey, look, uh, this overview already exists. Just skip to, just skip to the, um, the new parameters you're adding. Skip to the new references that you wrote or the new process that you added. The overview is already available somewhere. Only metadata can help a system do that. Otherwise, you've got just free text search on these big blocks, and it's never going to be as effective. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, it's, I guess, like anything, know your user and read the room, yeah. it sounds yeah. like. That's what, that's what all <laughs> communication gets down to, whether you're talking to a machine and, and knowing what they need, or whether you're talking to an executive, a developer, or, or uh, whomever. Really, really good points, Nas. Thank you for that. So um, the last question I asked everybody is, I, and I, you know, this might be a difficult one for you to answer because you sound like a busy guy between your consultancy and the conference. And when is the conference again? The conference again? is in June, uh, June 8th to 10th. We have, you know, because of the current global situation, just become an online event. So it's it's exciting right. stuff. So we've been doing a physical conference and uh, I, I loved it when you said you've been doing it for a few years because actually we've only done it once. Oh, it's, okay. We've managed huh. to create enough uh, of a mind share that people think we've been doing it. For, you're not the first person to do that. Multiple people think we've been doing it for years. Oh, they're like, oh yeah, Omni Channel X. You've, I've been hearing about that for years. It's only been once, <laughs> uh, but people really loved it. It was a really great event. And we were. this was going to be our second physical conference. Uh, we have the podcast and the blog and all that stuff and the speaker interviews, but this was going to be our first, our second physical conference. But because of the, what's going on now, of course, uh, it doesn't make sense to do a physical conference in the current environment. So we slashed the prices. Right. So the prices have gone down by 35 to over 50% to, part to participate. Wow. And you can check that out on uh, omnichannelx.digital. Uh, no dash, no space, omnichannelx.digital. Um, and uh, yeah, so the price has been slashed and we're going to provide, uh, we're still going to provide multiple tracks. We're going to provide uh, some, some, you know, chat rooms to be able to discuss with people and still be able to exchange and network. Um, and we're doing it all through Zoom uh, this year. And I wanted okay. to provide actually anybody who's uh, on the podcast, my personal discount code. So the prices have already uh, uh, become down quite generously to, to become you know, a digital event encourage uh, engagement uh, in a time when, you know, everyone's got a lot of distractions right now, uh, as we understand. So, uh, but I also wanted to add a, a value for your listeners. So if they register with the code uh, 50ERBI, that's U-R-B-I, which is the first four letters of my name, 50ERBI, oh. uh, they can get an extra 50 euros off um, the, the tickets. Wow. So, yeah, I'll be welcome anybody to, to join us online for that because I'm very excited. We've got um, um, a, a cross section of people who I think any anyone who cares about content would be interested in. Uh, we've got content strategists and product designers and product researchers, UX people, uh, content designers like Carrie Hain, who wrote uh, Designing Connected to Content oh. with, uh, with Mike Atherton from Facebook. Uh, the World Health Organization, Adobe, Cisco, Forrester, um, Stanley Black and Decker, uh, and and on and on and on. Oh, Google! I can't believe I forgot Google. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, we've got oh, workshops. That small company. Yeah, they're going to be there. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> we have the um, the the global uh, advocate for their conversational technologies. So uh, assistant and that's a hell of yeah. Title. So she's the global developer advocate, and she also wrote a couple books. Um, and so she's going to be there doing workshop and a talk. So I, I really think it would be an exciting thing for people to be able to do, especially if you're still working from home at that point. I don't, um, but, uh, it'll be easier for people from around the world to participate now. Yeah. Nice. 
I mean, it's it's you know, I was it's very interesting because I was supposed to, um, you know, keynote a speech at, at STC Interchange Conference. I was supposed to do a presentation at Conduit, the Philadelphia STC Chapter Conference, and I was supposed to receive my associate fellowship um, at the STC Summit this year. So um, obviously, things plans have all changed <laughs> a little bit. So um, I'm going to be busy, but uh, I mean you know, busy from the comfort of my own home, which is, it's going to be interesting because, you know, many people know, obviously you're, you're taking it into account, but you know, a lot of the happen, things happen and the conversations happen between sessions that are really important. So it's going to be interesting in this new world to see how, how that back channel conversation continues in an online yeah, environment. I know we've got, and we've got, of course, we've got to, of course, practice what we preach. So if we're going to be, you know, if we're going to be an online conference, we want to say, we want to say, okay, how do we facilitate the, the social media layer? How do we facilitate, you know, the asynchronous viewing with recordings and transcripts and all that stuff? So we, we really want to make this an omni-channel event. <laughs> Literally, in, in every every case. So Zen, um, Zen, I was just looking at the, my tab. Um, Nas, the question I ask everybody, and I know we have to, I know you're at time, but um you know, what do you do? Is there anything that you do uh, when you're not thinking about or working with content or content strategy? Oh, oh wow! Fun. So yeah, um, I'm one of those. I'm one of those guys who uh, really struggles from an, an overabundance of hobbies and passions. Uh, so okay. I, I I can't say that I really do music anymore. I used to compose, um, produce my own music. Oh wow! Uh, but it's been so many years now that I'm, I'm not. I'm still I'm an avid hobbyist photographer. But the, I would say that hmm. the main thing that I kind of, my, my passion these days is uh, exploring this beautiful country that I live in now, Spain. Um, I, oh, nice. You know, if anyone's curious why Spain, my counter question is, you know, have, why not Spain? <laughs> have you seen the place? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so I was always a global content strategist. So where I was started to go down and down in importance. So I decided to choose Okay. What I thought was the most beautiful and interesting part of the world to be in. Uh, so um, going up and down the coast, exploring the country, uh, going into the mountains and the ocean. Um, I just got my 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 uh, diving certification this year. So oh, I'm nice. a, okay. yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a mountains and sea outdoorsy kind of person when I'm not doing all this uh, all this content strategy stuff at my desk. Awesome. Yeah, last year we visited, um, we did a Europe tour and we visited uh, Berlin and Munich. Then I picked up my my new BMW at the factory in Munich and we drove to um, Brussels. Actually, we said the night in Metz, France. And then we were in Brussels for a few days and Amsterdam for a few days. And God, I mean, just the views and just the driving across the countries was just absolutely unbelievable to see. Um, you know, I, and, you know, I said, I said earlier, my wife spent some time in Barcelona and definitely wants to go back there. We didn't make it this time, but it's definitely in our plans in the future. So maybe you and I can, uh, can meet up for a beverage. I would somewhere. love that, you know, and I, and I would say that just traveling generally was my, probably my, the, my, my second tier thing there. So I, I love all those countries you just mentioned. <laughs> um, and you know, driving is one of the best ways to see this, this beautiful continent and, and, and any, any place, you know, I, lo I love it. The North America as well as where I come from originally. Oh, okay. I yeah, I'm, sure. can I'm Canadian by awesome. birth. Um, I Canadian oh, okay. by birth. Uh, most of my work is in the U.S. Probably 80% of the clients are in the States. And uh, I've been in Europe. I'm just coming okay. up the halfway point. So next year, I will have been half my life in Europe and half my life in Canada. Oh, no kidding. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Because I've always, I mean, obviously, since I've probably only known you for the second half of your life, I've, I didn't realize that you were uh, you were a Canadian. So that's really, hey, I yeah. learned something new today. And on that note, Nas, you know, thanks. It was a really, really helpful conversation in so many ways. You know, I like I said, I, I, I get a little starstruck. So I don't always ask people that I that I'm that are my heroes to to do things, which is still why I haven't asked for help. But, um, you know, thanks for your time. It was really awesome. I learned a ton, you know, even more than I thought I was going to from you. So, so thanks for everything, and thanks for being on the my show. My pleasure. Um, my pleasure. I'm glad we finally did it. And uh, you know, of course, I'm going to email Rahel and, and facilitate an intro now. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> All right. This see things. Things are rolling. All right. Well, on that note, everyone, go out there and create some great content. Good luck, everybody. Hope to see you soon. <laughs>